Well, good morning, church. It is so good to see you this Sunday morning. What a privilege to be in God's house together, spread around our community, to be able to say we are one in this bond we have in Christ Jesus. I want us to continue in God's word in Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus gives us this double metaphor that speaks of our purpose, of our function as Christians. Remember now in the Beatitudes, he has demonstrated what the Christian's character is. He has spoken into our lives what it means to belong to him and what kind of lives we are to live. And now he tells us that if we live by those characteristics, we are indeed the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We looked last week at the the principles of of salt and what that means for us, what it means that we are the, the preservative for the world that we are the ones who bring flavor and and taste to the, the goodness that God has for us. And now he continues with this great compliment he pays to us, for often in Scripture he has said, I am the light of the world. And now he says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, Let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Often in Scripture, we are commanded to be Christ-like. We are told that our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. We are told that we are to have the mind of Christ. We are to be like him. And so when he says he is the light of the world, and then he says to us, we are the light of the world we are finding that unity with Christ, that he lives within us and his light shines through us. Now we understand that we don't generate that light. Last Wednesday night, I was driving into the church and it was that beautiful full moon, clear, clear night. And you could just believe that that moon was generating light that we could walk by and lights our pathway. But we know that the moon doesn't generate light. It simply reflects the light of the sun, which had long ago set and is now serving on the other side of this globe. And yet that moon reflects that light into our presence. And so we understand that we don't generate this light, that he is our light. But we reflect that light into the world. We never want to draw attention to ourselves, but recognize that it's God's light shining through us to the world. And so we rejoice at the wonder of Christianity, that he is indeed the light of the world, and now entrust us with that light. Now, light is key in Scripture. It's where God begins the very third verse of Scripture. He spoke light into being, and it was good. And the last chapter of Scripture, he says, there in glory, we will no longer need the light of the sun, for God himself will be our light. It's where he begins in Scripture. It's where he ends in Scripture. And all the way through this speaking of light, David says in Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Our young caravans learned that verse from the very first day. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. We recognize the value of light. It's throughout the Psalms. It's everywhere in the New Testament. Right away in Matthew, first quoted in Isaiah from the prophet, but now quoted in Matthew, those living in darkness have seen a great light. And we recognize that Jesus is that light. In John chapter 1, it says, In him was life, and that life was the light of men. 
It lights our way. Verse, chapter 8 and verse 12 is one of the many places where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And now we begin to understand what it means that we then take up that task. And we serve as the light of the world. Jesus said in verse 46 of chapter 12 of John, I am light. No one who believes in me should stay in darkness. We move from darkness to light when Jesus gets a hold of us. And then we begin to shine his light into our world. In Romans 13, 12, it says, put on the armor of light. And Peter spoke in his first letter and said, God called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. These are John's words in 1 John, the first chapter in verses 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ purifies us from every sin. He is light and we walk in that light. So as you see, light is very important in scripture and we are the light to serve this present age. So we're not talking now about the first century church that was the light for their age or Christians in general. We're talking about us, Mission Church, in our world where we circulate. We are the light that the world is depending on right now to sign Jesus into their lives. We finished up with that uh, Verse from that song last week. To serve this present age. My calling to fulfill. Oh may it all my powers engage. To do my master's will. To recognize he has called us. To be light in this world. Now if we are light in this world. Then it is implied. That the world is in darkness. This is what Paul writes to the Ephesian church. In chapter 4. Of that letter. He says starting at verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. We recognize that the world is in darkness due to the hardening of their hearts. And God wants to soften that hardened heart. And he wants to do it by Christians shining light into the darkness. Now, the world thinks they have come out of darkness. We even have a part of human history that we call the Dark Ages, with the implication that we have come out of the Dark Ages. And then in the Renaissance of the 15th and 16th century, we were enlightened by knowledge. And even then in the 18th century, we call it the Enlightenment, that mankind in his knowledge is going to solve all of the problems Of this present world. Man is the authority. Knowledge and culture are in his hands. And completely ignoring that God is the light that shines into our darkness. For we found as knowledge increased. That relationships continued to break down more and more. Between persons. Between groups. Between nations. If human knowledge was going to bring this peace. It would have brought it long ago. Jesus is the only hope for that darkness of our world. 
And we are to shine Jesus through our lives into that world. And the same implication is here in these paragraphs as it was last week with the salt of the earth. You and only you are the salt of the earth. You and only you are the light of the world. Only Christians have the capacity to do this task for God. He lives within us. We have taken up his cause and we serve him. And without that service, the world is in desperate trouble. Only Christians can apply that knowledge into the world. Paul learned the lesson when he had just probably the lowest time in his missionary journeys when he was in Athens and kind of got into a philosophical discussion with the people there in the Areopagus. And the people of Athens said, well, that's very interesting. Come back and we'll talk about it some more. But it just really struck Paul so that when he came to Corinth, this is what he said about his ministry. He said, when I came to you, brothers... I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved. Now, this is based upon the failure he had in Athens. He says, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. And so when we shine light into our world, we are not to call attention to ourselves, but rather attention to God. It is he and only he who can lead us out of this darkness and into the light. And so Jesus came into a world where there was all kinds of philosophy. And Plato and Socrates and Aristotle had brought us up to analysis. But only Jesus, speaking to this small, seemingly insignificant group of disciples, says, you are the light of the world. Not these great philosophers, not these great minds who are thinking thoughts about human culture. But you, as you are my disciples, as I live within you, you are the light of the world. And that has not changed over these centuries. We are the light to our world. And so as we looked at salt last week, let's look at the properties of light. What does light do? What is the purpose? What is the function of light? My wife keeps a beautiful garden in our backyard and we eat products of that garden all year long. But she really frets in the wintertime because of the nature of our yard. We get very little sunlight in the wintertime. Very few hours where the sun is directly on her garden. And so it doesn't thrive as it does in the spring and summer with the full sun shining on it all day. And so this light that comes provides growth. And we, as the light of the world, are to stimulate growth in our world and growth toward Christ. And once people accept Christ, growth in his grace. So it creates an atmosphere for growth. Light, of course, exposes darkness. There's a wonderful poem by... Robert Louis Stevenson called the lamplighter. In the era where people would go and light the gas lamps and just at dusk and in poetic way, Stevenson says he goes along making holes in the darkness. And isn't that what we do as Christians? We just make holes in the darkness wherever we allow our light to shine. For light and dark cannot exist in the same space. And if we will shine light, it will dispel darkness. Light is meant to be in use. One of the songs our children sing so enthusiastically in Sunday school class, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. 
and we sing verse after verse, hide it under a bushel. No, that would be ridiculous, just as this verse says. Don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let my light shine no matter what goes on in this world. Light is meant to be in use. There are no secret disciples. Either the secrecy ruins the discipleship or discipleship obliterates the secrecy. We are openly Christian. We let our light shine. We proclaim that we belong to him. If our purpose is to give light, then covering up that light, hiding that light is a ridiculous thing to do. Secret Christians do not exist. If you're a Christian, show it. Proclaim it. Declare it in everything that we say and do. Let our light shine. And so it's kind of an example from cottage life where he says you don't light a lamp and then put it under a bowl. You put it on its stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. If we obscure the light, put it over in a corner, then everybody obscures the light. You're in my light. I can't see. Let the light shine. Another thing about light is it, not, it cannot be soiled. I can take my flashlight and shine it out in the dumpster on the garbage, or I can shine it against a pure white wall, and the light comes away and is still pure. Light can reveal sin without becoming sin itself. That's what it means to be in the world and not of the world. We let our light shine and can remain pure in Jesus Christ. Let our light shine into the evils of our world. And let our light shine to highlight the good things of our world. But let our light shine. Light brings cheer. I was reading some of the, uh, the journal of Admiral Perry. 112 years ago, this April, was when Admiral Perry took his expedition to the North Pole. And in his journal, he says it was not the incredible cold that was the greatest obstacle, but the constant darkness as we neared the pole. It sapped the strength of the men. It took away their cheer to be in darkness all the time. The world lives in darkness. And we must shine that light that brings cheer, that brings hope, that brings Jesus Christ into that world. And then light is a guide. Have you ever experienced total, total darkness? The first time it happened in my life is when I was on choir tour when I was at Point Loma. And we were at, at Carlsbad Caverns. And they took us down into the lowest cavern, well now beneath the surface of the earth in Carlsbad Caverns. And the man announced, okay, we are going to turn off the electrical lights and you're going to experience total darkness. He says, don't expect your eyes to adjust to the darkness. You're too far removed from light to adjust your eyes to this darkness. And when they shut off those lights, I mean, you could not, you could stare at your hand for the longest time and not see it because you will not adjust to that deep of darkness. People lost in sin are in that kind of depth of darkness. And unless we turn on the lights, they're lost in that darkness. Now they told us before we went on that tour that if there should be any failure with the electrical system, that the guides were equipped with flashlights that would guide us out. And we would need that guidance. We have that light to guide people out of the darkness. We are the light of the world. That's what Jesus says we are. He says that's our function. We can guide people from darkness into the wonderful light of Jesus Christ. He is our hope. We've tried other things in the history of mankind. 
We've tried knowledge. We've tried education. We've tried political enactments. We've tried international conferences. Jesus is the only hope to bring the world out of darkness. Well, when light shines, it makes shadows. It's inevitable. And when our light shines, it's going to show up some of the shadow situations of our world. People are going to be exposed by that darkness. It says people live in darkness because their deeds are evil. And they love that darkness. And when we shine, it offends that darkness. And yet we shine. Light can be a warning. Most tourists who come to our wonderful city make their way out to Point Loma Lighthouse, out at Cabrillo Monument, and see that lighthouse. And it always reminds me that we, too, shine a light of warning. And when we tour that lighthouse and and read the things about those who lived there and realize they never took a day off, it would mean a life and death situation for those on the sea if they took a day off. We as Christians don't take a day off of our light shining. We give this warning of the danger of sin, warning about how lives can be ruined in the midst of that sin. Let our light shine as that warning. We recognize God's peace. And so my light, you know, is very little in contrast to a big lighthouse. And yet I shine my light. And if I shine mine and you shine yours, they all come together and we together shine a bright light into our world. Reuben Welch loves to remind folks that, uh, that light is consumed in service. A candle burns down. A light bulb burns out. And I remember Reuben saying, when I get to the end of my life, I want to just be used up for Jesus. And he's still using himself up for Jesus at 96, still sharing this incredible good news every time I talk with him. What a joy to realize we're just being used up for Jesus, letting our light shine. To be light, we must give of ourselves. We must be willing to be used up for Christ. And what better cause to dedicate our lives? People use themselves up for greed. People use themselves up to seek power. People use themselves up to seek popularity. People use themselves up for all kinds of lesser things. Let's use ourselves up for Jesus. To give ourselves to him completely that others too might know him. And isn't that what these verses are about? We are the salt that others might come to know him. We are the light that others might come to know him as we have come to know him. We don't hide that under a bushel. We don't conceal that. We let it shine. And so being the light of the world infers that the world is in darkness and needs that light. All of these characteristics of light are things that we take part in. And yet the world loves darkness. Shine into that darkness. We let it shine. And every Christian's light is important. And we're tempted to say, what can I do in the midst of this world of darkness? We can light our candle. We can put a hole in the darkness, as Stevenson says. We recognize the value of each light. Throughout the Bible, there's this imagery of the lamp that shines. And always there is the oil. And over and over, that's the imagery of the Holy Spirit. This endless supply of oil in all the parables that Jesus tells about the lamps and the lights and the things we read in the Old Testament. That oil, that supply of his holiness is always there. So there is the oil of the lamp and there is the wick. 
And that's the part we need to pay attention to. The Holy Spirit is always there. The power is always there. The fuel for lighting that lamp is always there. We need to trim the wick. To make sure we can shine brightly, we make sure we do the things we can do to be a good light. We've talked about the spiritual disciplines. And we live by those spiritual disciplines. We worship together. One day soon, I hope, we'll be able to be together in person. We recognize that we pray and stay in the center of God's will. We recognize we read his word and so learn of him day after day. We recognize the call to fasting, the call to meditation, the call to all of these things that are our spiritual disciplines, which keeps our wick trimmed and ready to burn bright, to shine our light for the world. He will provide the message. He will provide the power in his Holy Spirit. We keep our lamp trimmed that it might shine. Light is not to call its attention to itself. I don't think I've ever walked into somebody's house and said, wow, what a beautiful light bulb. (laughs) No, we say, wow, what a beautiful home. The light doesn't call attention to itself. It illuminates other things. And so we don't call attention to ourselves as the light of the world. We don't say, hey, look at us. We're the light of the world. We shine the love of Jesus. And let that light shine. And see what he says here in verse 16 in our scripture today. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds. And it doesn't stop there. Let your light shine so people can see your good deeds. No. Let your light shine so that people will see your good deeds and praise your Father who is in heaven. We do not take the attention to ourselves as the light of the world. We shine the love of Christ. That people might see him and draw their attention to God. Less glory for us, more glory for God. That's the way this works. John the Baptist understood it. Jesus must increase, I must decrease. More of him, less of me. And Paul said, I don't know where I end and he begins, but we are one. Christ living in me. That's the hope. Jesus is the light of the world. And now he says to us, Christians, the church today, we, you, me, are the light of the world. Let that light shine so that people may see our Savior. So he's spoken of our character, who we are. He's spoken now of our function, how we serve this world. Let's put our lives into that. Let's truly be salt and light as we go into our world this week. May God help us to represent Christ, to shine light into our world. And to see all these characteristics of light shining forth that people might see our Savior Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, Even as we are here worshiping together, we recognize that we're not to be the light of the church. We're not to hide it in a bushel and only light up ourselves. We are come together to be equipped and go out to shine. Go out to be involved in our world. Go out to show your love in the midst of the needs around us. And Father, what opportunity you have given us during this time of pandemic. What opportunity to show how Christians can thrive in the midst of adversity. How we can show love even when it's harder to do it. Father, we pray that you'd show us creative ways to reach out and let our lights shine. 
in the midst of the darkness of this world. For you said that darkness will not overcome your light. And that light which has shined into our lives, help it, Father, to shine through us, that we might reflect your light into a world desperately in need of that light. Give us your strength. We love you. And we give this day into your hands. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Church, we want to remind you again what a crucial this day, day this is in the life of our church. We urge you before 3 o'clock this afternoon to cast your vote as we're voting for our new pastor to come and lead us in these crucial times. What a great privilege to be the church and to celebrate together the life of the church. And we dream of the future that God has for us in his grace as we shine out our lights. And now the God who is light itself bless you and keep you as you live for him this week in the name of Jesus. God bless you. Have a great day.